Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Geeks and Suits podcast. This is the first part of the podcast I did with a very special guest, Seth Jurgen, former classmate of mine and a local filmmaker from here in uh, the Canton, Akron area. We spent uh, the first part of this podcast talking about some of the short films he's made. Uh, if you have any interest in those, you should definitely check them out on his Vimeo page. Uh, if you just do a Google search for Seth Jurgen and Vimeo, I'm sure you can find it on Google. I'll try and post a link if possible. Um, the second half, we talk about a lot of other stuff. We talk about the Oscars, uh, the, the Harry Potter Star Wars debate that me and Yanni uh, touched on a few weeks ago. Um, a lot of good stuff in this one, especially if you're into writing and filmmaking. So uh, be sure to check that out. Also, uh, let Seth be a uh example that if you would like to be on the geeks and suits podcast all you have to do is contact me so uh if anyone out there would like to join me on the podcast to talk about something you're interested in uh that's pop culture or sports or something you're doing that you're excited about and uh would like to talk about please contact me uh text me email me Twitter me, uh, whatever, whatever means of communication that you would like to uh, reach me with, just let me know, um, and I would be glad to have you on the podcast. And now, part one with Seth Jurgen. Alrighty, Seth Jurgen, first timer on the Geeks and Suits podcast, and uh, we were just talking before we started recording. Uh, I don't think we've talked to each other since you graduated, um, which would have been what three, four years ago. It's yeah. been a while. Uh, this spring it'll be four years, which is crazy. That's just right. a, like a that's a whole other bachelor's degree worth of time. I know, I know. That's crazy to think about. I mean, I'm almost two years out of school already, and it, it still feels like, wait, like, I, I still feel like a college kid. Yeah, no, I definitely, like, it, it seems like yesterday, but man, four years, kind four of goes years, fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really does. You could have gotten an MFA in something if you really wanted to. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. So what, what was it? What class did we have together initially? Was it one class, or was it? Yeah, so... Uh, if I remember right, it, remember we took that acting class. I think it was acting one, acting fundamentals, okay. and we had we had to do that like we did a portion of that like really country play with uh, with Nemo and Yanni. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I remember that because I think it was Lone uh, Star was the uh, was the <laughs> was the yeah play yeah well because it was like a two person play like we selected a scene. But yeah. there was four of us. Yeah. I don't remember what happened. I think she was like, well, if you guys really want to do this, we'll figure something out. And so, like, yeah. halfway through the scene, we swapped We swapped out. <laughs> yeah. I think it was three-person. Um, you and Nemo and Yanni all had their own roles. And then Nemo, right. Nemo had so many, like, I don't know, lines that we just, like, split them up. And so it was, okay. like, you and Nemo and me and Yanni for... Well, basically right. the two parts of it but i was always curious if like the the audience had like no idea what was going on they're like okay why why did they just like switch out actors yeah i think if i remember correctly and it's been a while i think they kind of like briefed the audience on what was going on but still yeah. like, it's super confusing not to mention yeah. it's an excerpt from 
Yeah, it wasn't like even the full thing. Play. <laughs> yeah, it was so like it was... it was like we're taking eight pages out of this like fifty page play and acting right. it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but yeah. So I don't think I think we might have talked like one time after that class. But I mean, we've we've stayed in touch over social media and other stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. So so since you've gradu- graduated, you've obviously been doing a lot of stuff. Um, I don't know. It seems like every year you got a you know, new short film coming out. Um, that you've been making so uh, yeah so what all have you been doing since uh graduating oh man so kind of <laughs> what we were question. talking about bef- yeah th- it's there's been a lot of stuff that's happened it's it's kind of hard to keep track of but yeah um kind of what we were talking about before we started recording um was the fact that you had two credit hours to finish up to graduate and i kind of had a similar situation because i spent uh, three months, uh, a semester in uh, L.A. at the uh, LAFSC, and uh, so I get a call like a couple weeks before I'm supposed to um, supposed to head home, and from the registrar's office, and they were like, "Hey, you're two credit hours shy of graduating," and I was like, "I was already making plans to like walk in the <laughs> yeah. spring and everything." Kind of like, throws what? a wrench in it. <laughs> so. Um, so I started talking to Andrew Rudd about what what I could do to possibly get those credit hours, and so he had suggested an independent study, and it was funny because it, it was just kind of one of those things where I just needed two credit hours, and yeah. Andrew Rudd kind of realized that. So what happened was I came back from L.A., and a couple weeks in, I started PAing, mm-hmm. which um, is production assisting. Yeah. Um, cause there was, what was it first? I can't remember. Um, the voice auditions came in into oh, okay. Cleveland. Yeah. And so I got a gig on that. Um, and then shortly after that, I got another PA gig on, uh, a show called I Killed My BFF. Oh, <laughs> um, I need to look that is, up. <laughs> yeah. Which is like a, um, like a docu-series on. Uh, A&E, I think. A&E okay. and maybe Bio, I can't remember yeah. what channel it's on, but uh, which was pretty cool because it was like a small person crew was in Youngstown and like, uh-huh. you know, I got a lot of good experience. But anyway, um, Andrew Rudd was like, I don't, just write like a five-page paper on your experience as a PA and mm-hmm. I'll give you I'll give you the credits. So right. it kind of worked <laughs> out that way. Yeah. So it, it's, it's like I... It's cool that they they could just like kind of make something up like yeah here's here's two credits for you right right and I I mean and when I like when I, when I was PAing it's like it's so so much more of a learning experience I think right than actually being in class yeah yeah definitely. So. Yeah. Um, so obviously, I mean, ever since I've known you, you've been very involved in in filmmaking. Um, I know I, I've watched your three most recent short films, but how long have you been making short films for? Well, the <laughs> I, well, the very first short film I probably ever made was uh, when I was a kid. I w- I just grabbed my my parents' uh, camcorder, handheld camcorder. Yeah, and Love we just that thing. shot like. <laughs> Me and me and my friends would just sit in my in my basement and just think of random scenes. Like it wasn't even a story or anything. We were just like, let's just shoot yeah. this scene. Let's shoot that scene. Yeah. And so we had a lot of fun with that. But like the first, like I I want to say quote unquote like serious short film that I made was 
when I was going, when I was at Malone, mm-hmm. and uh, part of part of the uh, film program, you have to make a film for open frame. Yeah. So that was the first like serious short film I did, and it was I mean it was awful. <laughs> which is, why, which is, why is probably yeah, yeah yeah which is probably why you haven't seen it because i i took it off of my vimeo page not that i'm not <laughs> yeah. not that i'm not proud of it i just know i can i can do better but it was right like, it was this idea i had about doing because the i think the time limit at the time for open frame was like 15 minutes and i just had this idea about like building up like 14 minutes worth of a film where this guy is like moments before his wedding and he's just like getting cold feet and he's freaking out and like his family comes in to con- comfort him and all this stuff. And uh, it seems super melodramatic and like inspiring. And in the end, you find out he's marrying a goat. <laughs> <laughs> so like we got a church, oh, we man. got all these extras. And like, yeah. I, I talked to, I, I forget, Tuxedo Junction or something. Yeah. Like we they donated like a tuxedo <laughs> for the lead actor and then uh and then That's somebody great. at malone had a goat and so it just it all worked <laughs> out like we made a little we made a little veil for the goat yeah <laughs> i'll have to send you the link oh man yeah i would uh i'd definitely love to check that out if you still got a copy <laughs> of it somewhere yeah it's, it's funny because like it screened at open frame and then it screened at this like short film series at the stark county library yeah oh man it did not go well (laughs) yeah did they get backlash for that because uh some people some people okay so it was split it was always split like when it was revealed that it was a goat people would either be like what is going on or they would laugh (laughs) and so when we showed it at at the at the stark county library um, it was mostly a room full of old people, and like, oh, that's we did a Q and A afterwards. And so I stood up and like looked at everybody's reactions, and they were oh, just man. like, they were just looking at me like, "Why would you do this to us?" That... <laughs> Fifteen minutes worth of my time, I could never get back. Right. Well, I feel like with the right audience, that that'd be hilarious. But with right. especially, you're you're really rolling the dice if you have an older audience who, who oh, yeah. kind of set in their ways a little more old fashioned than us millennials. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's just a it's a different kind of humor. Like either you get it or you're or or you don't. It's kind of like yeah. You ever watch that show? Um, uh, shoot, what's his name? I can't think of the name. It's on Adult Swim, the interview show. It's really weird. Oh, um, uh, is it is it the one with Zach Galifianakis where he just like asks it's weird sort questions? Of like that. It's similar sort of like to that. that. It's er- the Eric Andre show is what it's called. Oh, okay, okay. So, like, I love that show. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. But my wife hates it. Like, she won't, <laughs> yeah. won't even sit down and watch ten seconds of it. She'll like demand that I turn it off. It's kind of like that. It's like either you get the humor or it just doesn't register with you. And like. <laughs> If it doesn't register, you're just gonna be mad. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of uh, Bo Burnham, who's a comedian I love to watch, who I yeah, think is yeah, yeah. just hilarious. But my wife refuses to watch him because she just doesn't. You, like, you, you, they just don't yeah. get it, really. Right, 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 right. So, yeah. um, so yeah, so that was your that was your first short film. Um, if if I remember right, you, um, there was a there's a film festival, I believe, that you entered have entered multiple times it was like a 48 hour film yeah. festival 
yeah so how many how many times have you gone into that so i did the 48 hour twice Okay. Um, and the first time was a, was a good experience. I mean, I'm, both times were a good experience, really. Yeah. So basically how it works is, you, you know, you pay an entry fee and you sign up and um, you have 48 hours to make uh, a short film, to write it, you know, produce it uh, and edit it and then submit it in 48 hours. It's insane. Um, and so I can't remember what year it was. It might have been 2015. It was it was right after Malone, after I graduated. Um, so you know we signed up, didn't really know what it was. Now, do you have to have like a full crew, like down and ready to go when you enter this thing, or you don't have to? And it's, okay. and it's strange because everybody has their, you know, each team has their own strategy about how they're going to pull it off, how they're gonna, yeah. you know, pull off shooting a short film and getting it done in forty eight hours. So some people were like. You know, a lot of my team that year, the first year we competed, they had competed multiple times. And so I was getting a ton of advice from different people. They're like, you need to just have a bunch of scripts ready to go. Because what happens is um, you don't, you have to, there's three required elements. There's a character, a line of dialogue, and a prop that you have to use. And that's kind of how they can tell if you've, if you actually made the short film during those 48 hours and they don't, they don't, they don't tell you until the kickoff event. So these people were like, you just need to write uh, a bunch of scripts and have them ready. That way we can just throw the elements in that way. We don't waste time. We don't waste time writing, which to me just felt like it was going to be, it was going to make the script feel like really contrived and yeah. uh, just wooden. So I was yeah. like, no, I don't, I don't really want to do that. So what happened was I, I put together this team, uh, like a creative team, I guess, to help with the writing process. And it just, long story short, it turned into um, just a bunch of chaos, like a bunch of people with with terrible ideas that <laughs> eventually, so what happened was we're, we're all sitting in um, this lady's house. There's probably 10 of us. And so I pulled my buddy Tyler aside at one point in the night and I'm just like all of these ideas like some people are giving good ideas and some people like the majority of them these are awful awful ideas yeah typical brainstorming right right and so I'm like I don't think they're really helping at this point so it's like I think I have I think I have to send them home (laughs) so I seriously like I I it was was so tough because it was like everybody really wanted to help and they're all really nice people but I was like we, we're never going to get this film done with everybody here, like, staying here. So I was like, so why don't you guys come to the first location tomorrow? You guys can help shoot, but, like, you, 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 and you, you, like... Yeah, get out. Helpful if, yeah, basically, yeah. more or less. But long story short, like, that we ended up shooting a film and getting it done and submitting it, and we came in second that year. Okay. Um, which was which was pretty cool. And then this, the second year that we competed... Uh, I can't remember what place we came in. I mean, we we got to the best of screening, but we didn't we didn't uh, get in like second or first or anything. Okay, was I'm trying. I'm looking at your IMDb page. Was oh, okay. I'm I'm trying to think. Was the first one was that Potluck? Okay, Potluck or was, was it when Sammy I was Girl in L.A. Oh, okay. So so was Sammy Girl the the first one? So the first one was high. 
that's high. Oh, okay, okay. I see it now. Okay, now I see it. Yeah, and now that I think about it, I think high was before I went to L.A. And then when I was in L.A., we made Potluck, which I Uh also don't have on my Vimeo page because... Uh, another another one you don't yeah. want to show off to anyone yeah and i only directed that one. Oh, okay <laughs> not not saying that i could have done better if i was writing but i've yeah. only ever written my own stuff right um so yeah and then after that was sammy girl after um after potluck was sammy girl um which again was a, was a really good experience and that one was more produced like we i actually had a producer on that one we had uh, a camera assistant. We had uh, a couple of grips. It was great. Like it, um, it was a nice experience because it it really felt like a professional set, as professional as it as it could be. Um, but yeah, after Sammy Girl, um, the the next short film you came out with, which was Summer, um, right? Probably. Not probably. Uh, the, the short film that's gotten the most recognition um, mm-hmm. definitely has the most views on Vimeo. Um, yeah, so so where did that idea kind of come from? So I the funny story about that one is that there's this website I use called Upwork, which um, I use to just get freelance gigs whether that might be like video editing or whatever it might be. You know, I've written a short film for uh, like a drama school in New York City, which was kind of cool. Um, but there was a post on there about a company needing uh, directors to shoot like short film, like sort of like a brand film in a way. Um, and so I applied and they were like, it was, it ended up being this perfume company out of Paris. Um, and the founder had this idea of like sort of merging perfume with cinema in a weird way. Um, so basically her idea was um, she would send each of the filmmakers like a, um, a sample of a new perfume that she had. And basically mm-hmm. the idea was you use it as inspiration to write and direct um, a short film. Oh, okay. So, so she sent me the scent and everything, and you know, I waited till the last minute. Like that's my thing. I always wait till the last minute to do, and even with the most recent short. Yeah. I waited till the last minute, but at, like, that's the only way I know how to do it. Do it at this yeah. point. Right. Uh, so, did it take you a while to like find the inspiration? Because, I mean, I don't know about you, but me as a writer, I I'm not sure how I'd go about using a perfume as inspiration. You know? No, it's it's extremely it's extremely difficult. Um, the first time was easier than the second time. The first time, um, it was around summer, like it was around that time of year. The perfume scent was. You know, it, it kind of just reminded me, it reminded me of, like, this idea of nostalgia, more or less. I mean, scents are the most uh, memory-inducing, is the most memory-inducing sense you have. Yeah. Um, so, I just kind of, my idea for, idea for summer was to create something that was sort of dreamlike, sort of nostalgic, that made you feel... Like you were kind of in the shoes of the little girl, yeah. But it, uh, almost like it felt like a memory in a way. Um, 
so that was kind of the inspiration. But the second time around, yeah, it was it's it was seriously like pulling teeth. Like I I've never <laughs> worked like I've never worked that hard to generate generate an idea. And the tough part too is like ideas come, they do, but yeah. it's it's tough to especially when that you know the time limit is so short. I think that this year was three minutes under Ooh. three minutes. So it's just so tough to try and like find an idea that'll fit yeah. into yeah. that three minute time span. Right. And I mean, ideas come and go, but especially when you're under a deadline, you know, sometimes the ideas just don't flow. No, no. So. I mean, it, it felt like I was hitting my head against a brick wall. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Um, did, did you do that for a necessary decay too, or? Yeah. Yeah. That was for the same contest. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, just having watched your, your last three, which are Sammy Girl, Summer, and Necessary, Decay, um, like, obviously they're all very different stories and different films, but mm-hmm. d- they're definitely all similar in the sort of style that they're being told. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of, I don't know, like, subtext that's kind of buried within it. So, um, I don't know, is that is that something you've kind of always tried to incorporate or have you just kind of fell into that you know i i think that it just kind of happens like um it's hard to say because even with even with stuff like in my writing that's you know um longer like longer scripts like pilots stuff like that i i always find myself even though i'm like trying not to just just kind of being way too subtle or kind of dark and abstract yeah um which you know i i think more or less is just kind of part of who i am as a creative person so like i I think it just it happens naturally um but it's funny because you know i look back at the films that i've made before i made a necessary decay everybody kept saying why do you always make a film about somebody who dies (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, and everybody's like, why, why are your films so depressing? And, and I get to, to an extent why, how people see them as depressing stories. Mm. But part of what intrigues me about the last three films is, yeah, the, the, the subject matter, the content for the characters is really tough. Yeah. And they're, they're going through extremely difficult situations that a lot of people can relate to. But I've I've never I don't believe the the last three films I made I don't think that they have sad endings I think like part of what intrigues me is bad situations but somebody coming out and you kind of know at the end that they're mm. gonna be okay if that makes sense yeah oh I so can that, definitely relate to you with that because my like tendency when I'm writing is like okay let's let's come up with like the most dreary setting possible yeah. and have a character work through this like it's really easy because I don't know the darker it gets the more interesting it gets if you ask me yeah yeah and like I I think that just partially I don't know if it's because the of the the shows and movies that I really love if that's the inspiration or if it's like I resonate with those stories just because that's kind of who I like I resonate with them because that's who I am as a creative person. So I think of like of shows like Breaking Bad or yeah. movies like Requiem for a Dream or There Will Be Blood and like yeah. really really dark 
subject matter, but it like there's something at the heart of those stories that resonates with me, and I don't know if it's just because because it's just raw like human sort of realism. I don't I'm not sure what it is. Yeah. Funny story, me and Yanni actually watched Requiem for a Dream recently for the first time and oh, we were did both you? super depressed afterwards. Oh man. That, we're like, yeah, there's no way we're ever getting addicted to illegal drugs. <laughs> no, but that that film is just so it's just so beautiful. It's the the way it's it's told. There's some the soundtrack. In that film. Oh, absolutely. The soundtrack's incredible. Mm-hmm. There's there's some scenes in that film that I go I revisit over and over and over again just because like I just think to myself like how how is it possible that the, like the performances are so good yeah like the the human emotion it's just like I don't know it's so great yeah uh, yeah definitely a great film um, for sure uh, do you ever like find yourself like or maybe telling yourself to like try and dial back the the darkness and the sadness at all yeah um I try to like there's there is an idea I've been pitching around um, recently, which in my mind I thought was a little bit more commercial, something that you know would be more of a more of a studio idea, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's still that dark element that isn't resonating with people. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I part of me thinks I should probably dial back, but at the same time, like I I probably should like cause that's just part of my voice. Like I I. I shouldn't, I shouldn't try and stifle it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, I also wanted to ask you just just a few random questions that okay. have been on my mind. Um, first of all, looking over your IMDb page, uh, you have an acting credit on Draft Day. <laughs> Where did uh, that one come from? <laughs> that's funny. I didn't even submit myself for that credit. I yeah. kind of wish it wasn't on there. But it, it is what it is. Yeah. So I did while I after I came back from LA, I you know like I said I did the forty eight hour. I got connected with a bunch of um, actors in the Cleveland area, um, uh-huh. Akron, Cleveland area, and they all they all do did like extra gigs. So mm-hmm. any films that would come in like Avengers Draft Day. Um, they knew the casting director and they knew how to submit for those things and you get paid and then you get to you get to be on set and see what it's like and yeah so i did i did several extras gigs um after i graduated and so yeah i did i did draft day which was which was really cool that was probably yeah. my favorite experience uh-huh. um because i i think i was on it for 3 days or something like that yeah. Um, but you know, I got got to be around Chadwick Bosman. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Jennifer Garner, and uh, <laughs> the most famous guy in the movie. I can't think of his name. Kevin Costner. Uh, Kevin Costner. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, th- I mean, it was a good experience, but um, I've I also had some really poor extras. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, there was one time I submitted for a film that was shooting in Amish country. And oh. like, it's a featured extras gig, which, which means like you're, you're going to be seen on camera. You're going to be more prominent than just atmosphere basically as like a regular background extra. Uh, so I was like, yeah, I'll go do it. And it, it's sort of my fault. Cause I didn't ask how much they were paying me, but 
Um, I, I get there, I drive like two and a half hours to get there. Um, I sit in extras holding for about eight hours. Um, our lunch, so they, (laughs) it was kind of messed up. They set up lunch for the crew and it was like a build your own taco bar. I was like, Oh, this is going to be delicious. And like, Oh, that's for the crew, by the way, extras, this is your food over here. And I'm not kidding you. It was cold eggs and like... (laughs) Yeah, cold eggs, like what? some chips, some water, and and oh, uh, frozen strawberries that they thaw- they couldn't that get they you any out. like homemade Amish food. You're in Amish country. No, no, and oh. like after after that, I swear that was the last extras gig I did. <laughs> no more. No, and it's not even just the way like extras get treated. It's being yeah. around other extras that drives me crazy. Oh, okay. I, um, after. After about two or three times of sitting in extras holding, like you hear the same conversations over and over and over. Like, what films have you done? What are you working on now? Like, ugh, it's it's such a to- it's just so toxic. Like, I just hated yeah. it so much. I feel like you'd have to be an extrovert to enjoy doing that. Oh, absolutely. But then then you get the people that you know they they desperately want to be famous. They they claim they want they claim they want to be serious actors but they've never like done a student short or been in a short film or taken an acting class they just simply want to be famous and so you you like one of the conversations you always hear is so and so was on this film and the director the assistant director saw him or her and they they got a speaking role and now they're famous so i just need the an assistant director to see me And it's just like how how often would that actually happen, though? I, I mean, the chances of it are, is probably like winner, winning the lottery twice in a row. <laughs> yeah, exactly. the the reason The reason you get cast as an extra, like to be brutally honest, is because you aren't interesting. Like, it's <laughs> like you That's you are literally considered on the call sheet atmosphere. And so the reason you're put in the background is because nobody wants the like they want the the audience to focus on whoever's in frame, the famous actor or actress that's in frame mm-hmm. and not the people behind them. Right. You guys are the ones who are like blurred out in the background. You're not in focus. Right. Right, right, right. Exactly. And uh, and it's just like a lot of people don't don't realize that. I don't know how, like who ever told them that being an extra will eventually make them famous but a lot of them are hoping for that sort of magic bullet thing and like a lot of people say oh um george clooney was an extra before he was famous yeah true well, but okay. he, he he also he's also george clooney one yeah uh too devilishly like, handsome yeah he dedicated himself to the craft of acting three he had a connection to get in to like serious acting so there, there's a lot of elements that came in, and and this is not just the problem with extras. I've found that this is kind of the problem with a lot of people in the film industry, period, is that they're looking for that magic bullet that will get them where they want to be, but they don't want to work for it, if that makes right. sense. Right, yeah. Um, you also worked on a, well, it started as a web series and turned into a movie, Rotor DR1. Oh, um, yeah. Few questions, actually two questions. I'm curious about. First one was how how'd you get involved in that one? Um, okay, so I know that shot here in Akron. 
Yeah, that kind of shot. Yeah, it shot in Akron. It shot in mostly in Canton, okay. and in Philadelphia. Yeah, but um, <laughs> so the way I got connected with that one was there is a guy named James Waters who's really connected with Canton film community. He runs the Canton Film Festival. Yeah, um, and he got hired. Um, he got hired to be the production manager um, on the film or on the series at the time. Um, and so he had posted on his Facebook, like, hey, we're looking for PAs. And I was like, yeah, I, I PA, I'll do it. And uh, didn't really know what it was or what to expect. And so, yeah, it was, it was a web series about uh, it was like a post-apocalyptic um, story about this kid who lost his dad and this drone starts following him. But yeah, really, really strange. But yeah, yeah that's how I got connected <laughs> with that. And eventually, like I, we did that for like four or five months, um, and eventually I got bumped up to a production coordinator, and then they eventually brought me in as a staff writer. So then I wrote two episodes. Okay, my uh, my next question, which I'm I'm very curious about. So if I remember right, it was a series that the story was like kind of driven by the audience, like they'd get to vote on events that would happen yeah is that correct yes. so so more that was the go ahead well i i was just gonna ask like being a writer like i know i'm not someone who would ever want to be told like where the story needs to go so like what was writing in in that kind oh. of environment oh, like yeah so by the time okay so the original vision was that it was going to be this community collaborated experience where the certain story elements would be shaped by the community who voted on things, submitted ideas, and um, essentially the the guy who had the idea, uh, the director, he wanted at the end of it for everybody in the community to feel like they made the movie, right? Um, which uh, is nice in theory, <laughs> but not not very. Uh, I don't know. Um... It's efficient. not, it, yeah, not efficient. It's not conducive for telling a compelling story. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, throughout the whole process, there were people submitting ideas, but it, it mostly turned into like a survey thing. So you kind of nudged people in certain directions, or like it, they would vote on stuff that was not really consequential to what was actually happening in the in this in the story. It wasn't like they were telling us to get rid of characters or kill them off or whatever it might be. Yeah. It was more like, hey, what what kind of watch should the main character have? <laughs> Vote on these two options. Which is which is fine. And I and I get in theory that um, the idea is that you generate an audience, you get people f- to feel like they're contributing, which yeah. is great. Um, but it it just didn't work out that way. And so, you know, the first episode not very good. So if you if you look, they just recently made the whole series public again on YouTube. If you want to watch mm-hmm. it, Rotor DR One. Um, so if you look at the analytics from episode one to episode two, there was an episode one that was probably like, I could be getting this wrong, but like ninety thousand views, mm-hmm. and then episode two had like thirteen thousand. So it was very clear there was a steep drop off. But like yeah, like you were saying. Once I got to, into the process of writing, like the reason they brought me on was because they were panicking. Um, 
because they, first of all, the writers that they had on staff, like they're, they're good people. They were really nice. Um, but they were, they were not writers. They, they had never sat down and written an episode of TV. They had never written a script before in their lives. Yeah. So by the time I got on, they were kind of panicking and they were like, we need somebody to, to finish this series up. We have no idea what we're doing with it. Yeah. And so at that point, like I just sat down and, and wrote episode nine and 10 mm-hmm. and, uh, and it was kind of frustrating because like, like any idea I had, um, they were like, all right, let's send it out to the community, see what they think. And, and it's, it's just like, it, it was kind of frustrating. Right. Um, because I, to me, it's like not anybody can, like writing for TV is a skill. Yeah. It's a craft. You, I mean, you have, you spend a lot of time doing it. And I did at the time, like I've spent so much time reading pilot scripts, reading feature length scripts, writing scripts, like listening to podcasts, just all this independent study stuff I've been doing. Mm-hmm. And then for somebody like some lay person to <laughs> sit on the couch, just like, to poke holes in the, in a story that you're writing is just like it's it's was incredibly frustrating. But right. I think a lot of a lot of my ideas did make it through, mm-hmm. but um, not not all of them, which right. is kind of frustrating. But it was it was still a good experience to do it. Right, right. Um, I don't know. I feel like that's just kind of like a misconception about like writing a movie or a TV show or or whatever is people like. People think anyone can kind of step up and do it, and it's just not the case. It's an right. incredibly difficult process. Right, right. And so it's kind of like we were, what we were talking about before, um, where there there's this perception that, yeah, anybody can do it, which is why a lot of people think, I just need an assistant director to see me as an extra, and then I'll be famous. <laughs> right, yeah. It's, it's just kind of a uh, – and I felt this way the whole time. There just wasn't a respect for how important writing is to the overall process. Yeah. Which which is pretty – when you hire people on your writing staff who've never written before, it's pretty indicative of how much respect you have for the writing process. Mm-hmm. So, it, I, yeah, it was – it was frustrating. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, obviously, you've done a, a lot of both, but what would like? What do you prefer to do, writing or directing? I, I keep going. I keep going back and forth because I, I really do. I love both of them. Um, the problem with writing is getting myself to actually sit down and write. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> it's hard. I mean, I I know that's for any writer. That's that's the difficult thing to do because. Mm-hmm. You know, it's extreme. Like by the time when I sit down and finally just start typing words, it it gets so much easier. But getting to that point is yeah. so difficult. Got to get the so the ball rolling off the bat. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, there's there's elements of of like reading other people's scripts and giving them notes. Like I just gave you notes on on your pilot. Like I love that stuff. Like I think I'm really I'm really good at seeing the whole picture of a story of somebody's script and giving notes. Yeah. But when it comes to my own, it's kind of difficult. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I, I love directing too. Like I, um, I think like I'm, I'm decently talented as a director, like, and it's so much fun to be on set and work with actors and 
um, just kind of deal with things on the fly and have like just kind of being the orchestrator of all these different elements is just is a lot of fun. Um, so I would say I probably like directing the most only because writing is so excruciating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I forget, I forget which screenwriter said it, but someone, I was like watching an interview and someone asked them if, if they get writer block or writer's block. And, uh, the, the screenwriter was like, are you kidding? My default state is writer's block. Like, yeah, if I can yeah, have like so a true. two day stretch where I'm writing constantly, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I've i only ever been able to sit down and, like, just free flow, like, write an idea out, like, once. Like, you usually, I'm sure you've experienced this, but, like, you usually come up with an, <clears throat> an idea, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you're really excited about it, and you've got an idea for maybe this scene or that scene, but, yeah. like, you just don't see where the, the, the through line is, where the thread is that's yeah. weaving it all together. And that's where the writer's block comes from. Like, I'll sit down and, like, I have an idea, but, like, then you're just, like, what, how does this all connect? Where does, you know, I need other scenes, but nothing's coming to me. It's just, it's so, it's interesting. Yeah. It's frustrating. Yeah, for me, I feel like, like I, I mean, obviously, I have a bunch of ideas that just kind of swimming around in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, when it becomes real is where, you know, I have an idea and I can sit down and I kind of have, like, if I can just sit down and, like, write the opening, like, eight pages just just yeah. right in a row, which is basically what's happened with, with everything I've completed is that. Yeah. Um, right. Then I know, like, I feel like I got something, but... Um, I mean, I can't tell you how many ideas I've had, tried to sit down to like write a scene or flesh it out more, try to figure out where the story's going. And then mm-hmm. eventually I give up cause it's like, it's too much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely, I've had that. Like I, there was a pilot that I had started writing and I think I got like 20 pages in mm-hmm. and I, I still think it's a good idea. It's just at this point, I don't know where this, like where the story's going yeah yeah i i i don't want to write a script where it's just characters existing and things are just kind of happening right um so i i mean i i'm sure i will revisit it at some point but it's yeah it's like you said it's just i i have no idea where it's going or what's making it interesting so i'm just gonna let it let it rest for now (laughs) (laughs) right well i mean the one i sent you um recently i mean i was i was 40 pages in and i still didn't know if i if it was a movie or a pilot like i yeah sometimes you just sit down and you start writing and to see where it goes right yeah what what i've been doing lately is if i have an idea you know i I try and think like, how could this be a series, or how could this just be a movie, or yeah. uh, or a mini series? Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's sometimes it's tough to judge. Right. Have you ever had any trouble like you like you're writing like a movie or or whatever it is, and mm-hmm. um, you feel like you need to cut it down, like cut it down by a few pages, but you don't know what to cut. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean incredibly frustrating, right? It is. Um, there was there was a feature that I wrote. The it might have been it was either the first or second one. Um, where yeah, I I got 
I got done with it, and it was like 140-some pages. Yeah. Which is okay, but you kind of want to keep it around like 110. Yeah. Um, not really a hard and fast rule, just kind of like a courtesy thing for people yeah. to have to read your script. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, every pa- Like every page you add is just more dollars onto a production budget, and yeah. it's less convincing for a producer to make it. But, um, yeah, it's just like I would scrub through that like every night, and I'm like – I had the pages laid out in front of me. I'm like, I guess I could cut this scene, but then this doesn't make sense. Yeah. So then it's like, is there a way to like meld like two two scenes together to kind of like accomplish <laughs> the same thing? Yeah. And cut pages. Yeah. But that's kind of that's kind of the craft of it, though. That's kind of what I love about it. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Uh, I know I'm at a spot. I'm restructuring things and putting scenes that were later on earlier and and yeah. that like that whole process uh it's tedious and it's frustrating but like when you you know finally get it set in stone it's right. you know best feeling in the world yeah no it, it's great because another reason i love writing so much is like uh, like putting in like we were talking about putting in that subtext and kind of like trying like having multiple layers and scenes where like two, there's two characters they're they've got like their own ideas of what's going on like they have their own goals but there's also like in their dialogue they're saying things but like what are they really saying right i, I don't know i just i love that right i know you said you go back to to requiem for a dream a lot are there any other like movies or, or scripts you go back to when when trying to you know come up with ideas or find out how to write something <laughs> Um, so I've probably read the Breaking Bad pilot over a dozen times. Oh, good. I'm not the only one. <laughs> because. <laughs> Such a good pilot. Oh, it's fantastic. Like, it's so. It's perfect. I mean, it's so tight. It's so, yeah, it's, it's flawless. But, um, like, I, I go back to that a lot, especially if I'm trying to write a pilot, just because the, the storytelling in a pilot episode is so specific to a pilot, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's completely different than a film or a play or whatever it might be. So just kind of seeing how how to structure those different elements, like introducing characters, introducing story ideas, when and how to do it. it like That pilot episode of Breaking Bad does it fantastically well. I've also, um, I've also read The Lost Pilot okay. probably around the same amount of times, probably a dozen yeah. times. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, what uh, what else? I know for me the the one that I love going back to is the Social Network by Sorkin. Oh yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That thing is a just a beauty masterpiece. Yeah, yeah. It's funny you say that because I was just listening to a podcast with the writers of um, all of the uh, screenplays that were nominated for yeah. um, for the Oscars. And they were saying the same thing, which was funny because Aaron Sorkin was on the panel. And <laughs> yeah, like, I know, right? They asked the same question. They're like, what are, what are some scripts you go back to? And like three people said The Social Network. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, that the script, the film is just oh, it's so perfect. David Fincher yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> agreed. Uh, definitely. 